turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. The following pre-recorded program is a presentation of the Salem Radio Network. Dr. Robert Jeffress is my guest today on Along the Way, giving you practical insights on living with a heavenly mind while at the same time being earthly good. Hi, I'm Tom Muller, and this is Along the Way. My conversation with Robert Jeffress is coming up right after this from cowboy poet Jeff Hildebrandt and his view from the pew. Blind man sitting by the side of the road said, I can't find help to share my load, but a crowd is coming, and I hope they see my sad condition and pity me. When he found out who was in the crowd, old blind Bartimaeus just cried out loud. The crowd said, quiet, but he wouldn't be, crying, Jesus Christ, I'm here, help me. Jesus stopped and told the crowd to bring him here for crying out loud. He asked, what do you want of me? Bartimaeus said, please let me see. What happened then, the Bible tells, the blind man's faith just made him well. He believed in the man from Galilee, and that's all that's needed, don't you see? A blind man lives in the house next door. His eyes work fine, but his faith is poor. Our father says, hey, can't you see? It's up to you. Tell him of me. Once he learns of the father's love, he'll see the blessings from above. It's up to us. A soul's at stake. So speak up now. For heaven's sake. I'm Jeff Hildebrandt. That's my view from the pew. A view from the pew is available at Amazon.com. It's Jeff's new book, A View from the Pew. Search for A View from the Pew by Jeff Hildebrandt. Dr. Robert Jeffress is heard on Pathway to Victory at 1130 weekday mornings on 94.7 FM The Word and on 990 AM The Word weekdays at 3 AM, 8 AM and 6 PM. He's written a new book called A Place Called Heaven. It's a devotional. And Dr. Jeffress, thanks for being with us today. Well, thanks so much for having me, Tom. You know, I'd be curious if you found this to be true. My experience, when I came to Christ during a crisis in my life, and he rescued me in that time of crisis, and I was so excited about the things he was doing in my life at that time and the things he was teaching me through that time. Honestly, I really never thought that much about heaven. Heaven, of course, was a given, but I was wrapped up in what I knew God was doing really for me on earth at the time. And your book, even though I've known the Lord now for 49 years and I've been in Scripture for 49 years, your book really uh, has opened my eyes to uh, a heavenly awareness that uh, that sort of was in the background, you know, but uh, you really brought it to the foreground. Have have you found this to be the case with many people? I, I, yes. Uh, the, the short answer is yes. Mm-hmm. And, and there are a lot of reasons. A lot of people don't think uh, that much about heaven. Uh, 
I think part of it is youth. I mean, I think the older you get, the more you realize time is ticking away, the more battle scars you have just from the everyday circumstances of life. Uh, the more people you lose who are close to you in death, the more important heaven becomes to you. But I think another reason, Tom, that people, Christians, don't think about heaven is they've bought into the of people who are so heavenly-minded, they're no earthly good. Mm-hmm. We've all heard before. Frankly, in 40 years of pastoring, I've never met one person <laughs> who thinks about heaven too much. C.S. Lewis said, our problem is not that we think about heaven too much, it's that we think about it too little. And he said, history has shown that those Christians who made the greatest difference in this life are precisely those who have thought most about the next life. It's uh, it's a devotional. It's a place called Heaven Devotional. Uh, and it's, uh, as I recall, uh, it's, it's a a hundred different days worth of devotion on various subjects concerning heaven. Is that right? Well, that's right. My original book, A Place Called Heaven, that came out several years ago, and it was a uh, you know, full-length trade answering the 10 most frequently asked questions about heaven. Mm-hmm. And that book was so widely uh, received that the publisher about a year and a half ago and added some new material and turned it into 100 devotions on heaven so that everybody could get a bite-sized piece of heaven <laughs> once a day for 100 days. Mm-hmm. And so we did that, and we worked on it starting about a year and a half ago. Little did we know, the week that it came out, we would be in the middle of a global pandemic and a political civil war in our country. (laughs) But I think God knew the timing. He knew right now believers need a dose of it never before. Boy, that is so true. And with all the events in the world that you just described, uh, uh, I have found, in fact, I have focused more uh, on on heaven and uh, focused more on getting uh, our people who are in my influence uh, to to really step up their evangelism because whether you are a Christian or not, there's more uncertainty in terms of this world and uh, people are more open to hearing about heaven and and the security that it offers. We're hearing a lot of testimonies. This book has only been out a couple of weeks. But we're hearing a lot of testimonies already from people who gave this book to a non-Christian as a way of sharing their faith. Because in my book, The Place Called Heaven, I not only describe what heaven's going to be like, but I talk about the only way to get there through faith in Jesus Christ. And you're right, Tom. I mean, even unbelievers, they're intrigued by it. And this would be a great way, especially as we enter into uh, uh, the Palm Sunday and Easter and the time of the year when we're talking about Christ to give this book to a friend or somebody who's lost as a way of sharing your faith. Boy, that's a very, very good idea. It's uh, The book is A Place Called Heaven. It's a devotional. It's it's 100 days. And I was fascinated by the, your choice of the 100 uh, uh, topics. You had more topics about heaven. And, and I'm not... Uh, I'm not you know, I've been in the scriptures for a lot of years, but you have come up with applications to things that I never really thought of regarding heaven during that 100 days. At the end of every chapter, you you offer some, some thoughts on it, and you offer some questions to mull over. Well, and, you know, Paul said in Colossians 3, set your mind on the things above, not on things that are on the earth. 
And we all go through that balancing act. I mean, we have to uh, be thinking about some things on the earth. God has placed us in the here and now with very definite responsibilities. But at the same time, we need to be thinking about uh, what awaits us and preparing for that. And this book is a way of doing that. And there's a scripture verse and some reflective questions. But, you know, if you spend, just think about it, 100 days uh, starting your day or ending your day thinking about what God has planned for you for eternity, it probably would change a lot of things mm-hmm. about your life. Uh, one of my comments in the book is uh, what we do on earth reverberates in the halls of heaven forever. And that's the paradox. As short and as brief as this life is, it's very consequential in determining what we do throughout eternity. And as a matter of fact, uh, you just foreshadowed my next question, because that uh, quote really bounced out to me. Uh, re- what you do on earth reverberates in the halls of heaven forever. Um, and you also uh, touched a little bit on my age, <laughs> because <laughs> because I've had friends, contemporaries now, who are dying. And, uh, you know, I've, I, you, you can't help but think about that and also through the wisdom of age want to present things uh, to to younger people who think they're going to be living forever and what a great thing to maybe maybe buy five or six of the books and hand them out to people well you know uh, moses said in psalm 90 lord teach us to number our days and realize how very few they are and you know it's the old adage uh, life is like a roll of toilet paper the closer you get to the end the more quickly it goes mm-hmm. And uh, I just think there's something about meditating about heaven that does make us realize how brief our existence here on earth is, how we ought to maximize it uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Let me ask you to delve a little more into that quote, uh, what you do on earth reverberates in the halls of heaven forever. Uh, Certainly, as you meditate on the things of heaven, which the book is causing us to do, what other things do do you uh, observe uh, in terms of doing on earth reverberating for heaven? Well, you know, one of the things I do in this devotional, I build it around in questions that people have about heaven. And, you know, one of the biggest misconceptions people have about heaven would be the same for every Christian. It's not. Uh, you know, it's not a sanctified uh, socialist society where everybody gets his little acre of land and gets his little mansion and so forth. Uh, there are rewards in heaven. There are degrees of heaven that depend upon our faithfulness here on earth. Paul said in Second Corinthians 5, 9 and 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one of us may be rewarded for what we've done in the body, whether it be good or worthless. Uh, Paul was talking to Christians. When, you know, people say, I'm so glad I never need to face the judgment of God now that I'm a Christian. Well, that's wrong. Mm-hmm. Judgment. It's a different judgment than unbelievers. We don't have to face the great white throne judgment to determine whether we're in heaven or hell, but we are going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And those who do well at that judgment, those who have invested their life in eternal things, to receive real tangible rewards that will benefit them throughout eternity. And uh, Paul had that as his motivation, realizing that one day he was going to stand before that mug. So, you know, uh, I, I use, Tom, in the book, the imagery of just imagine that your employer told you that in six months you were going to be relo- relocated to a foreign country, 
and that it was going to be a permanent relocation. How would you spend the next six months? I mean, obviously, you had things here you'd have to do now, but you'd probably spend some time getting ready for that departure. You'd find out everything you could about that new country. You'd find out where to live, what schools to attend, what kind of clothing you needed. You want to be sure you had the right currency to use. Well, all of us who are Christians are going to make a permanent relocation to another country, a place called heaven. And a wise Christian is one who starts preparing for that eternal journey right now. And I think that uh, that is really illustrated when you have somebody who the doctor says, you know, sir, ma'am, you've got six months to live. Uh, Begin preparing now. And uh, that illustrates your point. Yeah, and actually that happened to both of my parents. My mom was 55. My dad was 62 when the doctor said to each of them, uh, you've got four months to live. Mm. I mean, just out of nowhere. They had no expectation. And I watched them, what they did and prepared. And, uh, you know, it it was a real reminder to me of how brief and uncertain from our viewpoint life is. And, uh, you know, Tom, if I could say to your audience, the most important thing you can do to prepare for that permanent relocation to the place called heaven, the most foundational thing is, is to make sure you have a proper passport. And uh, I was reminded of the importance of having the right passport years ago when I was a youth minister. Our church took 200 kids to the Soviet Union, and it was during the Cold War. Things were tense. And after two weeks, we were so ready to get out of there. We were leaving Moscow one night at midnight to Rome, and so we went to the Moscow airport. I got all the kids through passport control. I was going to be the last one since I was the leader, and I reached for my passport, and it wasn't there. Oh, my. I frantically started searching my code and pockets and so forth, and they were calling the flight, and I explained to this Soviet guard that I was the leader and I had to be over there. He couldn't have cared less. I was on the other side. We had been married one year. She was crying, imagining me in a Russian gulag for the rest of my life. (laughs) And all of a sudden, at the last moment, a friend of mine pulled out of his pocket. My passport started laughing and waving it at me. He had taken it as a joke. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) But I tell you what, I will never forget that panic of realizing I wasn't going to be welcomed into that place. (laughs) And, you know, the Bible says on the Judgment Day there'll be many people who will try to argue with the Lord about why they ought to be allowed into heaven. And if I could say to your audience one thing, it would be this. There's only one passport that will allow you into that place called heaven. It's not one stamped Baptist or Catholic or Muslim. The only passport that allows you into heaven is one that is stamped forgiven by Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the only passport that allows you into that place called heaven. You uh, cover uh, common myths about heaven and there are there are also myths among Christians. I mean, you'd think that a Christian would want to run to the Bible to find out what the the source document says, but there there are common myth, myths even with Christians, are there not? There really are, and uh, you know, I, we kind of touched on one that heaven is going to be the same for everyone. I think one of the other common myths about heaven is that somehow when we die. It's somebody else who goes to heaven instead of us who goes to heaven. That somehow every 
relationship we ever have had on earth, you know, stops and uh, we almost become somebody else. No, uh, we are eternal beings. God has placed eternity in our hearts. And uh, I think, for example, the Bible teaches in our new bodies, we're going to know one another. The disciples recognize Jesus and his new body. Our relationships are going to continue. I was doing a funeral service yesterday for a family in our church that loved to sit together. And the patriarch of the family passed away. And uh, I said, you know, uh, the Bible says the family that you love, those distinctions don't cease when we get to heaven. In Ephesians 3, Paul said, I bow my knees before the Father in heaven, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I think we're still going to be uh, organized by families in heaven. The relationship will be improved, but it's going to be there. So, and, and think about this, Tom. I mean, the gifts, the interests, the abilities God gives us, why would we think those are just for the few years we have here on earth? Uh, I think whatever we're doing right now may be a hint of what we're going to be doing in heaven for all eternity. I totally agree with you. Uh, I'm speaking with Dr. Robert Jeffress uh, about his new book, uh, which is titled A Place Called Heaven. It's a devotional. 100 days to have you really focus your your thoughts on heaven. And uh, Dr. Jeffress is heard on 94.7 FM, the word at 11 o'clock on the pathway to victory. Uh, let Let me shift just a little bit into things, uh, touch uh, on a little bit what we talked about earlier, uh, this world. Uh, Many of us, perhaps most of us who had a biblical worldview, have found a shift in this world politically uh, away from what we had hoped for in this world uh, until the Lord returns. Uh, We're finding now that political shift has taken place, and so many of us, at least among people I've observed, seem to have their hope on the politics of this world uh, and not as much on the hope of heaven, the hope of Jesus. But again, we have a political reminder that our the hope that remains is the hope of Jesus. Speak a little bit to that, if you would. Well, Tom, it's no secret that uh, I was a staunch supporter of President Trump, not because he was a perfect person. He never portrayed himself as a perfect person, but I believe he was pro-life, religious liberty, and I've argued in many forums that I believe Christians ought to get involved in the political process. We have the ability to uh, vote our convictions, and we ought to do that. But having said all of that, I preached a sermon recently in our church about how Christians should respond to President Biden. And I said, even though the occupant of the Oval Office has changed, the occupant of the throne of heaven has not changed. Mm. God is in control. He has a plan that he is working out. And uh, I don't think we ought to hunker down in a silo somewhere awaiting the second coming of Christ. But I do think we ought to realize what the Bible promises. And I point to Second Timothy three one, know this in the last days that terrible times will come. That word 
word that means unrestrained, uh, preceding the return of Jesus Christ, there are going to be some pretty rocky, savage times, and we ought to prepare for that and realize that uh, this hasn't taken God by surprise. These things are going to precede the glorious return of Jesus Christ. And our job, until the Lord returns, is to, with one hand, push back against evil as much as we can, but at the same time, share the light of Jesus Christ with as many people as possible. And uh, that needs to be the message of every Christian uh, who is listening, every Christian in the world. Uh, We live in a dangerous and a precarious world, and thank God that he has given us a a country that we have a hand in, as you say, pushing back the evil. But uh, we also uh, know the evil that is going to engulf the world at uh, a given time, and uh, we've got to be ready for heaven. Absolutely. And, uh, uh, you know, I, I talk about four things that the election of Joe Biden hasn't changed. God's sovereignty has not changed. God's love for us has not changed. God's promise of Christ's return has not changed, and God's mission for the church has not changed. And if I could add another one on that, uh, the fact that we are to pray for the leaders of our country, including President Joe Biden and uh, his uh, very uh, liberal sidekicks. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're exactly right, and I said that in my sermon, said, First Timothy 2 says we're to pray for kings and all those in authority, not just the ones we voted for, but for the ones we didn't. Mm. Uh, the book uh, is just fascinating. It's so good. I appreciate your uh, sending me a, a pre-release uh, uh, edition of it so that I could look at it, and I can really stand strongly in favor of people picking that up, and I think that you touched on something important. Uh, grab four or five uh, additional copies and pass them out, because, the, boy, if, uh, if the world is uh, ripe for the message of the hope of heaven, well, it's always ripe, but it really is heightened uh, today with, uh, with all of the promises about, well, COVID's going to be over, and, but people are saying, I don't know. We still have a lot of fear. We 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 shouldn't fear in the Lord, but we, unfortunately, among Christians, I'm experiencing a lot of fear. Oh, there is. I preached on uh, the whole topic of anxiety last Sunday. Many things to be fearful of. And by the way, the media does a lot to gin that up, the um, uh, left-wing media and right-wing media. Yeah. <laughs> they want to get your eyeballs watching their program or clicking on their website. So don't allow the media to manipulate you. Our message is a message of hope. And right now, as we approach the celebration of Christ's resurrection, we ought to be sharing that hope with people. If you could, uh, in the next two minutes, tick off the six things that uh, you urge us to do to prepare ourselves for heaven, uh, that uh, that would help us to uh, to really position ourselves as we as we get your book. Well, let me just mention a couple of them. First of all, make sure you've got the proper passport. That means make sure you've trusted in Christ as your Savior. You know, one thing I talk about also is I say minimize departure regrets as you get ready to go to that place called heaven. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to the airport before and uh, getting ready to take off and remember you forgot to pack something, a belt, a purse, or turn off the gas. Uh, You know, the fact is I've been with a lot of Christians before they departed for heaven. 
I wish I could say that everybody left this earth in a joyful way. Many people approach the end of their life with regrets, regrets about relationships that weren't mended or opportunities that weren't seized or experiences that weren't had. And I would just encourage Christians to make sure you don't have those pre-departure regrets. If there's a a relationship that needs to be reconciled, do it now. If you've got an opportunity God has given you, do it now. And then another thing I talk about is make sure that you've got the proper currency for the new country that you're going into. You know, everything you've earned, everything you have accumulated, you're going to leave behind. And that's why it is important right now that you start doing things that are going to cause you to receive a reward in heaven. Spend your time on the things that are going to matter most for eternity. Again, you know, as short as this life is here on earth, what we do on this earth does ring and reverberate in the halls of heaven forever. A Place Called Heaven, devotional, a uh, hundred days. That's a third of the year. Boy, you can really soak your <laughs> <laughs> your your mind up there, <laughs> uh, develop a, a heavenly mind. Uh, where can, uh, I'm sure, I mean, it's Baker uh, Books, so it's available everywhere, right? It's everywhere. Amazon, uh, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, e-tailers are a good way to get it. And I think it's at all Hobby Lobbies, too. They're a great Christian organization. Yeah. Uh, and uh, ours is right next door to uh, to their Christian bookstore, so it's there, too. My guest has been Dr. Robert Jeffress. He's heard at 11 o'clock every weekday morning on Pathway to Victory at 94.7 FM, The Word. And, uh, boy, I'm telling you, uh, I really recommend it. I thank you that uh, you listened to God there and uh, have have written this book, Dr. Jeffress. Well, thanks so much. It's always great to visit with you, Tom. Always great to visit uh, with you, and the door is always open, even if you have a power failure in Texas. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for granting me some grace. If you, know. <laughs> you bet. Thanks for joining us along the way today, and join me weekday mornings from 6 to 10 a.m. on 94.7 FM, The Word, as I introduce the teaching features along with the traffic and the weather. Then, back here on weekends, on Along the Way, I'll talk to you then.